morning. Morning. Man, you guys sounded so good this morning. I was in the front row and I turned I turned around during uh I don't know, at some point in time, I expected there to be like 500 people. And not that we're not a hearty crowd this morning, but you guys just sounded like there was 10 times the amount of you in here that there are. And it was just amazing. I don't know if it's because you did a, an older chorus and people like, I don't know, something about those old songs, like they're kind of a pillar sometimes in a moment that was really special and important to you in your journey of faith. And, and then when you're singing it, it's more like, God is just taking you right back to that place, and you're just like, oh, yes, God, you're awesome. So anyway, you guys are awesome. Um, So I got some jokes for you this morning. Yes. You know what's really funny is I took a, um, a, a sermon, a speaking, sermon speaking class thingy, and the, which I really did well in. And one of the things that she said is that uh, what you say first, that's the thing that people remember. So she specifically said, don't tell jokes. First thing off the bat. And I was like, oh, it crushed me because I was like, how do I not do the jokes? And so she said, that's what you're going to remember. So I need you guys to promise me that you are going to remember the point of my message more than you remember my jokes. Can you promise me that? Okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, why did the man fall down the well? Because he didn't see that well. Huh? All right. What country's capital is growing the fastest? Mm, Ireland. Every day it's Dublin. Every day it's Dublin. Um, I had a, once I had a dream I was floating in, a, in an ocean of orange soda, but it was more like a fantasy. Fantasy. Somebody's heard that one before. Thank you for still clapping. I appreciate it. What do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? He is an irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was going to tell you guys a time-traveling joke, but you didn't like it. Okay. Thank you. Gratuitous laughter. I appreciate it. Like, there's a couple that are still get, like, it's kind of rippling. Like, oh, okay. All right. Well, good morning. If Pete, I'm so glad you're here because if you've been paying attention and taking notes, you would know that we are in a series titled what? It's right there. You don't like you got the answer to the test. What is it again? That's right. For 5 weeks we have been talking about that and we are talking about Um, If we, to play our part in the unstoppable mission of Jesus, we need to be, and we went through, we need to be, now, if anybody could repeat all five of these, oh, they're up on the screen, dang it. Okay, we're to be an empowered church, a courageous church, a faithful church, a loving church, a giving church, which $500 in the house, like, come on, you guys. LifeSpring is a giving church. You guys are awesome. But now as we are bringing this thing in for a landing, today we're going to talk about that the unstoppable mission of Jesus needs a growing church. Everybody say a growing church. Okay. There's a lot. I did a search when I was uh, preparing for this of church growth. And can you tell me how many things that popped up? I don't know. I lost count. Like 
a bajillion probably. There was a lot. And as I clicked on each one of them, as I clicked on talks, as I clicked on articles, as I clicked on um, things to read, they were all about strategies and systems of how to grow your church, of how to get people, more people in your church. And that's not a bad thing. Those things can be very useful. They're good tools when they're used in a healthy way for healthy purposes of church growth. Um, You know, pastors Dan and Jesse are really good about, um, we talk about these things in staff meeting. We talk about um, how we, and we pray about what we should do or not do in regards to systems and strategies. And so you guys don't have to worry about that. Um, We read the books. We go to the conferences. We, uh, we just, we do all the things and we, and we seek wisdom and we seek counsel on it. But there's so many different ideas about there, how to grow your church and your congregation that it would really be impossible to even just narrow it down to a couple this morning. You just can't do it. So what I want to focus on instead this morning is instead of trying to grow our church, and which, by the way, I think LifeSpring is an amazing place, and I would love it if we pack this place out every Sunday morning. I want LifeSpring to grow. There should be more people in here. We want everybody to come in. You guys are amazing. But I want to talk about... Uh, let's focus on scripture, how it tells us to grow God's church. God's church. Okay, so let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence. Lord, thank you for your spirit speaking through me, speaking to those that are here this morning, those that are watching online. Lord, would you soften our hearts? Lord, would you empower me with your spirit to speak that which you have for me to speak? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, first question, and since, again, I know you all have been paying attention and taking notes, what is a church? Audience participation time. What is a church? The body of Christ. And I heard people, that is 100% correct. You are the church. We are the church. People are the church. And I love that Pastor Laura was up there this morning talking about Greek because I also love the Greek words. And the Greek word for church in scripture is what? Ekklesia. Has anybody heard that before? Ekklesia. That is the word for church. But in its simplest form, what it means is simply a gathering. It is a gathering of people together. So here we are this morning. We are an ekklesia. We are a gathering. And then for today, I want you to know that when I say church, I am not talking about just any old church or gathering, but I am talking about the church that Jesus himself came and established, and now we, the church, are building upon. There's lots of verses in scripture that talk of the church, but I chose this one for us this morning, and it's found in Ephesians 2.19, and what it says is, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. What a beautiful verse to represent what the church is. So the topic this morning is a growing church. So let's break down what that means. I want to talk about two different types of church growth that are biblical and I think super useful for us today. Um, Again, I'm a word nerd. I really like words, and so I look up the meaning of words a lot. And this word growth, 
has a couple of variations of definition. And the first one that I want us to see is this. The first definition of growth is to spring up and develop to maturity. Spring up and develop to maturity. So if you're here today and you have said yes to Jesus, if you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior and you've given him your whole life, you are the church, his church. And when you did that, you became a part of the body. And that was a wonderful day. That was a wonderful day. The angels in heaven rejoiced because you said yes to Jesus. But wait, there's more. There's more. Did you guys know there's more? I love this verse from Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Here's your more. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So you have received Jesus. You are part of the church. But what does it say next? It says, firmly rooted, built up, established. Basically, it's saying, you've received Jesus, now grow, right? Spring up, grow, develop to maturity. Jesus talks about roots in a very well-known passage of Scripture in Matthew. It's the parable of the sower. So I'm going to read a little bit of it to you this morning. Let's read together. It'll be up on the screen. It's Matthew chapter 13. If you want to turn in your Bibles or your Bible app, iPad, trusty, rusty. Okay. So Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly, and because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then the disciples were like, we don't get it. And so Jesus was like, again, you guys? All right. So he goes on to explain. Now listen to the explanation of the parable. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as what had been planted. 
So let's unpack that a little bit. The first reference is to people who don't know Jesus. She's talking about the seed that just gets scattered on the path. It never even gets into their heart. It's never there. But then he goes on to give us some pretty vivid examples of those who have said yes and what can happen after that. So I want to um, first I want to talk to you about uh, the one that sprang up with joy and then quickly died because it had no roots. Now, every year we get um, a fresh Christmas tree. Any other fresh Christmas tree people? Wisdom. Wisdom right there. So we decided that we would make as a family a tradition to go and chop down a Christmas tree every year, and now we are locked in until the children are out of the house because they will not let us get a fake tree. And I'm so over having a real tree. Like, And I'll tell you why. Because we bring it home, and the house smells like pine, and it's beautiful, and it's soft, and we put all the decorations on it, and it's beautiful, and it brings us joy. It brings us joy. Are you guys tracking with me? But then we go a little longer and a little longer, and we start, like, going to, like, eventually you're at the point where, like, don't touch the tree. Because if you touch the tree, what's can, there's a shower of pine that is about to happen. So by Christmas time, you're, like, delicately trying to put the presents under the, without touching the tree. And then, like, no, no, you guys can't get the presents. We have to get the presents out because the entire tree is going to fall off at this point in time. Does that resonate with anybody? There is a point where some people are going to hear the gospel, and immediately they're going to be like, yes, this sounds amazing, and it's going to fill their hearts with joy. But guess what? They are cut off from the root. There is nothing. They're not acting on it. They are not connected to Jesus. And guess what? They're dying. There's no life there. And then it talks about how, like, if the worries of life come by, that they're immediately going to be destroyed. And I just have to think about uh, what we do with our tree when we're all done is we, like, toss it off the deck. And then Dan goes out there and with probably, like, a half a match puts it to that thing. And that just reminded me so much of what it is like when the cares of this world come by and you have no roots and you're dead. Something comes along the way, something that if you're healthy and green and rooted and alive, wouldn't even be a big deal, but it's going to burn you down. No roots. Dead. We're really good at making dead things look beautiful, aren't we? We dress up the Christmas tree, make it look pretty, but it's dead. It's dying. It's dead. Okay, the second one is the sorry tree with no fruit or bad fruit. And I'm sorry, Addie. This is Addie's little plant here. And I actually found these. They're all in the window in Pastor Dan and Jesse's office. And it is still alive. But it probably has not been tended to. It's been kind of forgotten about, would be my guess. If this was a fruit tree, like, it would be not making fruit. Because it had gotten forgot about. And that's kind of like the second one where it's like the seed got in there and it actually grew and it made some roots. But then, like, you put it in the window and kind of forgot to come back to it. And the soil starts to get dry. And it starts to get kind of crunchy down there. And they start to wither up a little bit. But you're distracted. And, you know, maybe you're distracted by you want it to make fruit. And you're so caught up in, like, I want fruit. And you're looking up all the ways to make good fruit. Fruit, fruit, fruit. That you forget about the soil. 
And I heard uh, somebody say one time, they're like, if you focus on the fruit, guess what you're not going to get? Fruit. If you focus on the root, you're going to get fruit. So don't let your weeds grow up and choke out your roots, guys. You got to keep tending. And then the third one is a thriving plant with healthy roots. Like it is well taken care of. So I want you to know that point number one is this. You want to tend to your roots. Everybody say tend to your roots. Tend to your roots. The word tend, again, means to care or something you cultivate. And cultivate means to foster the growth of, to improve by labor or care, and then last but not least, to break up or loosen the soil around. So some questions I want to ask you this morning. Number one is, how is your soil? How's your soil? And by soil, we're referring to your heart. How's your heart? This is the ground that the parable is referring to. Is it, is it hard? So hard that the words can't get in? Is it soft, but you know you're kind of easily distracted? Those weeds are popping up. They're starting to choke out your roots. It's not getting fed or watered. Or is it soft? Is it cared for? Is it broken up? Is it able to be fed and nourished and watered and sunned? And then question number two is how are your roots? If your soil is good, how are you allowing your roots to go deep? How are you nourishing them? Do you remember what the verse in Colossians said about how you do this? I'll remind you. It says, therefore, as you have received Jesus Christ the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. So you tend to your roots by doing all of the things that are going to connect you with the Father. Being rooted in him. You're not just planted, church. You are deeply rooted in him and in your faith. So very practically speaking, because I am all about being practical, these are the things that you as an individual are doing to cultivate your soil, to dig up, to keep it loose, You are doing your spiritual disciplines at home, one-on-one. You're spending time alone with Jesus. You're spending time talking to him, but you're also spending time listening for his voice. You're reading your scripture. The spirit of God is alive. The word of God is alive. Let it speak to you. Let it get in there. You're praying. Okay, you're cultivating your soil. These are the individual things. And then being firmly rooted on a corporate level. So that's together as a body, as an ecclesia. We're coming together. And then through discipleship, we are both growing deeper. We are growing deeper. And we're providing a space for others to grow their roots deeper as well. Do you guys remember the beginning of the church in the New Testament? When did that start? Pentecost, yes, Pentecost, five points. This corporate time together of Jesus' church of the New Testament started here. It's a long passage. I don't have time to read it um, verbatim, but I will give you the Reader's Digest version. Um, That's my favorite way to talk about stuff. Jesus told his disciples, he's like, do not leave Jerusalem until I send you the Holy Spirit. Don't leave. And so they're all... Uh, together for the day of Pentecost. They're all together. It says the believers were all meeting together in one place. Did you, did, you, did you just hear that? 
All the believers were together in one place. They were gathered. The mighty sound of a rushing wind comes, and everybody starts speaking in different languages. And the Jews were freaking out, and they're like, I don't know what they're saying, but I keep hearing them in my own tongue. And then other people were like, nah, they're just drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. But then Peter gets up, and he decides that they're going to have some church. And he preaches the sermon of his life that day. He gets up. And it says in Acts 2.37 that Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, what should we do? What do we do with this? And Peter replied, oh, I will tell you. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, your children, and to those far away all who have been called by the Lord our God. Oh, Peter. That's good. Amen. It then goes on to say that then Peter continued preaching for a long time. And I made a comment to Dan. I was like, oh, that right there tells you that Peter was a Baptist. And Dan did not grow up Baptist, so he did not get that. But it sounds like maybe there's a few in here that understand Baptist preachers can go. Anyway, Peter was a Pentecostal. Just so you know, we're all clear. Okay, but notice how this all works together. There is an assembly of people. They're all gathered together in one place. There is teaching. There is a call to repentance. And then Peter says, now you need to get baptized. And you need to receive the Holy Spirit. And do you remember what the result of that was? Verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. 3,000. And then we see at the end of chapter 2 how the church is set up now to be a community, to continue to foster their growth and discipleship in Jesus. It says in verse 42, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They worshiped together at the temple They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So here's how in the church, the church in here, this body, we tend to those roots. You guys, the same way that they've been doing it since the beginning of the church. We're going to meet together in community. We're going to worship together. We're going to have some corporate teaching. We're going to have some corporate worship. We're going to go deep. We're going to meet together during the week, and we're going to learn about things. We're going to eat together. We're going to spend some time doing life outside of here together. I love the simplicity of an article I read that said we could define a healthy, growing church like this. It is the people of God gathered around Jesus empowered by the spirit and participating in the kingdom of god so here's how you do that at life spring number one show up show up be here on sunday be here and when we gather when we do the when we are the ecclesia be here show up and then we're going to go deeper right we're going to cultivate that so we're going to get those roots down deep we're going to go to some next level classes we're going to join a life group We're going to come to men's group. We're going to come to women's group. We're going to cultivate each other's roots in community. 
do life with each other. It doesn't even have to be in a life group. Like, get a couple people together and go hang out at a coffee shop. Iron sharpens iron. Like, accountability groups, friendships, where you're building each other up and you're challenging each other. How's your soil? How's your roots? Okay, so make sure that your soil is soft and being fed and tend to your roots. What was point number one? Tend to your roots. What was point number one? You guys promised me you weren't going to just remember my jokes. Point number one, tend to your roots. Okay. Oh, I don't know. All right. So the first definition of grow I gave you was to spring up and to develop to maturity. The second is this, to become larger or greater over a period of time. To become larger or greater over a period of time. I like to think that Jesus modeled what the church was supposed to look like while he was here on earth. Look at his time with the disciples. What, what did they do? They, they met together in a group to listen to his teaching. They sat at his feet. He modeled baptism for them. They did life together. They fished together. They ate together. They laughed together. They cried together. They did it together. I can imagine in my mind's eye that they were all really super content and filled to be just sitting at the feet of Jesus, to be with Jesus. But then there came a time when Jesus told them, guess what, guys? I'm sending you out. Sending you out to do some ministry. It was time to go. It was time to do this type of grow to add to your numbers. Do you think that that made them just maybe a little bit uncomfortable? But Jesus, you're the teacher. We've been hanging out with you. This is good. We love being with you, Jesus. It's like they're freaking out and they're so uncomfortable and then Jesus doesn't make it better. He's like, hey, look, guys, this is going to be really hard. (laughs) It's going to be really hard. You're going to run into all kinds of trouble. Some of you are going to get arrested Some of you are probably going to get beaten. And pretty much everybody who doesn't believe me is going to hate you. And he used that word hate. But he does tell them. This is what he tells them. He's like, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because the Holy Spirit was going to speak through them when the time came. And so not to worry about what they were going to say. He was like, don't worry about it. The Spirit will speak through you. You're going to know you're equipped. And they didn't know it yet, but he was preparing them for this, which is point number two, which is put on your boots. So we're going to tend to our roots, and then we're going to put on our boots. His unstoppable mission, does anyone remember at the very beginning of the series what we said the unstoppable mission of Jesus was? The Great Commission, yes. Somebody was taking notes and paying attention. All right. The Great Commission, just for a refresher, Matthew 8, or 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. It's the Great Commission. Commission. Again, word nerd here. So what does commission mean? Commission means, one, an instruction 
command or duty given to a person or a group of people. And the second is a group of people officially charged with a particular function. So we, as a member of the body of Christ, the church, have been given an instruction, a command. We have been charged with the duty of going and making disciples. We just talked about the tending of the roots that came from being discipled and growing that way. Like the disciples, they sat at the feet of Jesus and they learned from him and they grew their roots deep. But can I ask you a question? Where are the people coming from that are in our churches? How are they getting here so that they can be disciples? How did you get here? borrowed a car. I like that one. Trans, public transportation. But what we have to do, church, is that we have to walk out that to which we have been commissioned, and we need to go and tell them. Go get them. Go tell them and go put on your boots, just like the disciples did. I think very easily we can get so comfortable here in our walls. We can get comfortable with the people that surround us every week. They know us. We know them. And I'm talking to myself here. We've got familiar routines, familiar rhythms. We get so good at tending our own roots that our heads just stay down here, looking at our own roots. But we were never meant to stay here. Never. At the beginning, I said ecclesia at its simplest form meant gathering, but there is another way, an expanded way that it is interpreted that means called out to assembly called out to a gathering. And back in biblical days, the reference was more like they're being called out of their homes to gather as a group, to gather out of their homes. And so this morning, I want to challenge us that the called out part doesn't need to just be called out of our homes to gather here, but that the called out means you're called out of here, out there, into all the world. Jesus says, in Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So think of it as starting in your smallest circles and then moving out further from there and further from there until the gospel, the good news of Jesus is everywhere. When you go out of here and you tell someone about Jesus, the church is growing and you can bring them back here and they can get firmly rooted and their soil is going to get healthy and fed and the church is growing jesus didn't sugarcoat it when he sent out the disciples he told them it'd be hard they were going to face some pretty intense persecution and physical threats and i think we need to have a little bit of 21st century perspective here when it comes to what might happen to us if we go out and tell somebody about jesus Here are some of my own thoughts that go through my head. What if they say no? What if they think I'm weird? I know, you're like too late, Mary. But weirder. What if they think I'm crazy? What if they think I'm religious? What if they think I'm too good for them? Whatever it is, fill in the blank. In the words of my amazing friend and counselor, Mindy Crowder, So what? So what? She spoke those two words to me, and I was like, I don't have an answer. 
Like nothing that would result from that sounds bad enough when I say it out loud. What is the cost of what someone might think or say of us compared to the priceless value of the souls that we are going to encounter day after day? And guess what? We are not being sent out powerless, people. We are not to fend for ourselves with a like, well, good luck. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. No, I purposely left out the very beginning of the Great Commission, verse 18, which says, how about this? I, this is Jesus speaking, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go in my power. How about the beginning of Acts 1-8 that I left out as well? It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power to go out and be my witnesses. Just like the disciples in the New Testament, you are not being sent out powerless. You are being sent out with authority. You have it all, my friends. Everything you need to do that to which you have been called, which is to put on your boots and go. And you're going to need it. Because we are called to mission, church. What kind of boots are you going to need on your mission? I brought some examples. Brought some examples. Kathy Ford and I were just talking, and she's like, thank you for having visual aids. And I said, welcome to my brain. My brain needs pictures. All right. Anybody else never able to find, like, the part of the zipper to open the suitcases? Okay. Here's some of the boots that you guys might be putting on when you go out and you go and tell people about Jesus. Some of the boots that you've been assigned to wear, to walk out. These ones right here, these are work boots. These are like a utility boot. We're going to work. We're going to our jobs, each of us putting on our work boots carry the gospel with us to work these are also like a whatever boot so like you can pretty much do anything in these so sometimes this is your boot of choice i don't know what i'm going to encounter today but i'm putting on my boots to carry the gospel of jesus with me work boots sam freiberg what do these go in Use the right word. What did they go in? What? What I mean, like, what? Well, no. <laughs> Kim said cow poop, so we'll go with that. These go in manure. They go in animal. They go in the mess. They are for the messy places, you guys. Some of you, when you head out the door in the morning, you're headed into some really messy places. You're heading into it. It's going to be kind of deep. And you put on your boots that are meant to go in the mess. And you carry the gospel of Jesus. Poop kickers. There it is. All right. These are some hiking boots. These are hiking boots. These are meant for some rugged terrain. These are meant for climbing up mountains. These are meant for rocky places where, like, you're not sure where your foot's going to go, but you need some support. These are for when you go out, and some of you are going to be carrying the gospel of Jesus to some places where you're not sure where your foot's going to land. You're going to have to maybe climb up some hills. You're going to have to maybe go through some dirt. 
But God is saying, put on your rocky shoes and carry with you the gospel of Jesus. How about these babies? Addie was like, Mom, you are not keeping. I said, no, baby, I'm not keeping these. These are, <laughs> these are going back to Value Village. But these, I know you guys are laughing, but some of you, I want you to think about this. Some of you are being called to people that are in places of influence, places of power, places where there is great amounts of money. Some of you are called to be the Esthers and the Josephs where you're being summoned into the palace to be before the kings, and you have favor. And so when you get up in the morning, and that's where you're headed, you put on your boots that are going to carry with you the gospel of Jesus. And last but not least, people, these are combat boots. These are meant for battle. These are meant for conflict. These are meant for war. And to be reminded that sometimes, well, all the time, but we are in a battle for people's souls. We are in a battle for truth. We are in a battle to bring hope in a world that is hopeless, to bring joy in a world that's so depressed, and they're so distracted from life, a lot of them don't even want to live anymore. We are in battle. And so sometimes when you get up in the morning, you're going to put on your combat boots and you're going to carry with you into battle the gospel of Jesus. Worship team, you can come up if you have room. So church, go Tell people and bring them back so they can grow, so they can go, so that the church can grow. I'm going to say that again. Go tell people and bring them back here so they can grow, so they can go, so the church can grow. We want to spend some time praying over you this morning, church. I want us to pray over you as we head out into Monday into whatever it is that is waiting for us outside of those walls, outside of that door. I want you to wake up in the morning, and when you go to put your shoes on, I want you to say in your head, putting on my boots. Mary, put on your boots. And I want you to be reminded that you are equipped, that you carry power and authority wherever you go to speak life and to speak hope. I want you to be reminded every morning. I want me to be reminded every morning that we are in a battle all around us for those to whom the good news of Jesus has not yet been received. And I want us to remember every time we put our shoes on, how about this one? We all know this one. I love the Living Bible way that this says. It says, for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but we against persons without bodies. 
the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he attacks. And when it is all over, listen to this part, when it is all over, you will still be standing. But to do this, you will need the strong belt of truth and the breastplate of God's approval. And I want to end here. Wear shoes that are able to speed you on as you preach the good news of peace with God. So again, we would love for you to come up and receive prayer this morning so that you will leave here full of the Holy Spirit, empowered, fully equipped. We would love to commission you as you leave so that you carry with you the gospel of peace. Romans 10:15 says, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. And then to be reminded, church, that you wear shoes that are able to speed you on as you preach the good news of peace with God. It is the unstoppable mission of Jesus. We are a faithful church, a loving church, a giving church, an empowered church, a courageous church, and a growing church like to invite the prayer team up, Pastor Jesse, Pastor Randy. Church, tend to your roots and put on your boots. So at this time, we're going to sing. I would encourage everybody to come forward and get prayed for. You're all being sent out of here. We are all on mission. So as we sing, we would love to pray for you. God bless you.